This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, wa bihi nasta'inu ala umuru dunya wa deen, wa la aqibatil muttaqeen, wa la udwana illa ala zalimeen. My brother and sister, inshallah ta'ala, this is a continuation of our lecture series regarding the major sins. And today we are discussing alcohol consumption and drugs. This is of course among the major sins. And previously we have defined what a major sin is. And that's every sin where uh, Allah in the Quran or the Prophet and the Messenger have declared it to be either a major sin explicitly or there is a major punishment attached to it. And sometimes those punishments are referred to are from the hereafter. And sometimes there is a punishment in the dunya as well. So any of these types of, of sins are considered major sins in Islam. And if a person is immersed or is doing these major sins, then you must repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and this is the difference between minor and major sins. With minor sins, let's say someone committed a minor sin, then these can be expiated or forgiven through the good that you do during the rest of the day. So when you pray your salah, from one salah to the other salah, or from one jum'ah to the other jum'ah, in between, it uh, expiates the sins in between, the minor sins. But if you are committing a major sin, that this requires sincere repentance. And I encourage myself and all of you to regularly repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and definitely repent if you are doing a major sin. And there are many major sins. And in this series, we covered some. And I do encourage you guys to go and read the book of Imam al-Dhahabi. And we've mentioned this book before in the series. It is a book in which he compiled the major sins, 70 of them, the 70 most major sins. And it would be very beneficial for yourself to go through this book to have a good understanding of the type of sins that you should definitely avoid. Now, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about uh, alcohol and, and, and intoxicants in general. Because in Islam, there is generally no distinction between drugs and alcohol. And what I mean by this is, you're not allowed to consume anything that intoxicates you. And when we say intoxicates you, we mean that which inhibits you from functioning the way you normally would. And this is what happens when people drink alcohol or they consume drugs. They are either high or they become drunk. And in Islam, you're not allowed to be like this. And it is haram for you to consume anything that turns you this way. And it's very important to also remember as the maqasid of, of our deen, meaning the general objective of our religion is to preserve the person's intellect and mind so that they can function in a normal, a good way and make sound decisions. This is why you're not allowed to consume anything that will inhibit you from making sound judgments and good decisions. This is generally what Islam does. It protects the person. And all of these things that you're not supposed to do, they are there for your protection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he tells us something is haram, then that means that if we do that, that is harmful to us. Because Allah wants good for us. Like Allah says in the Quran, So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made good halal for us and has made the evil things haram for us. This is a general rule. If something is halal, it's good for you. If something is haram, it's bad for you. And if something is a major sin, it's most definitely bad for you. So it's very interesting when we look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about uh, these intoxicants or khamar. Now, we in Islam have a term called khamar. And Allah speaks about this. Allah says in the Quran, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ They ask you about khamar. 
they inquire about Khamar. Now, Khamar, uh, I'm sure most of you know the term Khimar. Now, Khimar is that which the woman wears to cover her head, right? The head covering is known as a Khimar because it covers the head. And these intoxicants are called Khamar because they cover the person's mind. That's why they call Khamar. So anything that does this, anything that kind of covers you, your mind and, and dulls your senses and makes you function in a way you normally wouldn't, is considered Khamar. And it's very important because you will find some people that say, ah, but where in the Quran does it say weed is haram? Where in the Quran does it say this type of drug is haram? It only talks about alcohol. This is a wrong understanding because the word khamar is that all that which intoxicates. Kullu muskirin khamra, kullu khamrin haram. Everything that intoxicates is khamar. So there is no distinction here. And that's a point that we all must understand. Now, another thing that we must understand is that this is, of course, a major sin. And once we read through some of the ayat and the hadith discussing it, you will have a better understanding of of uh, what are some of the consequences of immersing yourself in the sin or consuming alcohol or drugs. First and foremost, my brothers and sisters, what we must know is this body is an amana, meaning it is a gift Allah has given us and He entrusted us with it and we are supposed to take care of it. This is why you're not allowed to put yourselves in harm's way. You're not allowed to put yourself in any type of harm and that includes harming yourself through that which you consume. Which is why even in our eating and drinking, we are told to do it in moderation. Islam encourages all types of things that we do that keeps us healthy. And it discourages everything that doesn't make us healthy or makes us sick. Um, and of course, we know the ill effects that these types of things have on a person's body. So that which risks your health is haram. That which generally causes a, a sense of uh, problems in society is also haram. And alcohol consumption does both. Think about it. Whenever you have an accident, a car accident, and the purpose of it, and the reason that that car accident happened, the reason behind it was because someone drank a bit too much and was driving. Someone died. Someone broke his back. Many people died. All because someone consumed something that Allah has made haram. This is a harm that we see in society. People that die because of liver disease because they were drinking khamr for so long, or people that abused their families because they were not in their right mind. People that have become addicted to this, so they can't keep a job, so now they're on the street. There are so many uh, problems that these things cause, and like we said, Islam is always the solution. If Islam is applied, everything prospers, my brothers and sisters. Life fun- goes, uh, you will live your best life, and Society will function the best when everyone applies Islam. Think about this for a second. Imagine today the whole world stopped drinking. And all of these intoxicants were, 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 were thrown out. And everyone that is immersed in this to clean themselves up. Would the world be a better place? A thousand percent it would be a better place. And this is uh, enough proof that all good is within our religion, ikhwani fillah. So, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, He says, يَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْخَمْرِ They ask you about khamr, they ask you about alcohol. And, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions that فِيهِمَا إِثْمٌ كَبِيرٌ وَمَنَافِعُ لِنَاسُ إِثْمُهُمَا أَكْبَرُ مِنْ نَفْرِهِمَا In it is some good, 
but it is also in it is a lot of evil. And the evil is more than the good, or the harm is more than the good, or this ithm, the sin. From this we understand, my brothers and sisters, that Allah acknowledges that there could be some good that come out of alcohol. For example, the one who sells it, he gains money. There is some good that's in it. Uh, so sometimes the Arabs, for example, uh, the Arabs of uh, during the time of the Prophet, this was a beverage that they used to drink most of the time. And they used to drink it sometimes when they were doing their poetry. And when they would have a drink or two, this would kind of give them a boost in their creativity for their poetry. So yes, there is some benefit in it. Or they would drink it right before battle. And kind of they would, they would kind of be a bit more brave. So there is some benefit. But the harm, of course, is way more. And this shows you that just because something has some benefit in it, it doesn't mean that it's okay. But also what you have to remember is, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about alcohol or intoxicants uh, in, in this verse, Allah didn't say it's prohibited. Allah just mentioned that it is, there is more ithm in it than good. There is some benefit in it, but there is a lot more harm. And this was to kind of encourage the believers, look, there is more harm in it than good, so staying away from it is better for you. And another thing you must understand is that if you read of, uh, about the history of how Khamar ended up becoming haram, it wasn't that the first commandment regarding alcohol or, or was that it is haram, it was gradual. Eventually it would have become haram, but this happened gradually because the people, the Sahaba, they, this was part and parcel of their life. They've been drinking this and, and selling this and buying this. And sometimes it's hard to stop something cold turkey, meaning immediately. So it was done gradually. The first verse that was revealed discussing it, Allah told us that it has more harm than good in it. And the harm is that the person loses their inhibitions, that this has health problems, that it has harm regarding the person when they're drunk, they will do things and say things that they don't know. Many harms. Uh, and maybe perhaps some benefit. Now after a while, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed another verse. And this verse says, لَا تَقْرَبُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَأَنْتُمْ Do not come near the prayer while you are intoxicated. Do not come near the prayer while you are intoxicated. So now, another rule was instated for the Muslims, which was, if you're going to go to your salah and pray, you cannot be drunk, you shouldn't drink. So that meant what? That when they wake up for Fajr, they they go and then, uh, this is when they would go for work. So no one really drinks that time. People might drink during the evening or, or later in the day. So then Duhur comes, so they can't drink. They pray Duhur, Asr is nearby, so they can't drink. Between Asr and Maghrib, they're waiting for Maghrib, so they can't drink. And then Isha, and then uh, they will probably go to bed. So the window of opportunity for them to drink was extremely limited now. And there was a reason why uh, it was prohibited for them to come to the Salah while intoxicated. Because they were sometimes it, would, it was possible that one could be intoxicated while praying, and instead of making dua for himself, they would make dua against themselves, right? So uh, you need to be coherent when you're praying. You need to be know what you're saying. So this helped the people kind of wean off of consuming alcohol. That was the second stage. What was the first stage? The first stage was Allah telling us that there is more harm in it. The second stage was don't drink it when you come to the salah. And then finally after a while, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, O you who believe, إِنَّمَا الْخَمْرُ وَالْمَيْسِرُ وَالْأَنْصَابُ وَالْأَزْلَامُ رِجْسُ مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ فَاجْتَلِبُهُ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentioned that, O you who believe, alcohol and gambling and ansab and azlam, which were a type of shirk and omens and the Arabs had, which they would shoot an arrow and if it goes a certain way or does a certain thing, that means that they should make a certain decision. All of these things, right? They are amalu shaytan. They are the deeds of shaytan. Uh, the handiwork of shaytan. Fajtanibu, so stay away from it. So this word, fajtanibu, stay away from it. This was a word of prohibition. This is dalatun ala tahrim. It shows that from this verse onward, alcohol consumption was made haram. And the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, the men and the women, when they, when they heard this verse, what did they do? They poured it all out. And the streets of Medina, they were pouring it out. If someone had a jar of khamar, they would pour it out. If someone had a barrel, they would pour it out. They can't sell it anymore. They can't buy it anymore. They can't consume it anymore. They can't add it to their food. It has been banned. It is haram now. And because their iman was so high, and they, because they believed in Allah and His Messenger, it was easy for them to stop doing this. Now my question is to those people that are right now struggling with this, and they are either using drugs, or they are drinking alcohol, listen to Allah and His Messenger, when they call you to that which gives you life, that which is better for you, stay away from it. Allah says, فَجْتَنِبُوهُ Stay away from it. Why? لَعَلَّكُمْ so that you may be successful. Allah is telling us, stay away from these evil things so that you may be successful. So this is what we should do. And this is what the companions did. If I can share with you an interesting parallel to this, this is when in the 1930s in America, they tried to ban alcohol. And they tried to ban it. Why? Because they realized the problems it had in society. Uh, People that were consuming alcohol, they were at risk to themselves and others. And this is why family problems and abuse was happening, uh, domestic abuse, uh, people uh, uh, were, were drinking and making bad decisions and the, the health risks involved. So they decided to make it haram essentially. So they banned it, they made it illegal for one to sell or consume alcohol. And we all know what happened, nobody listened. And then they had to make it legal again because people were very rebellious. They started brewing it in their homes. Why is it that they couldn't convince the people to stop doing something that is harmful, but the Prophet ﷺ and the, the, or the companions, they immediately poured it out. The difference is these people, they were not doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whereas the believers, their actions are for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning what? Your conviction and belief in Allah should be powerful enough to help you stop drinking, to help you stay away from all of these evil acts. This is to understand how khamr be, became haram within our tradition. Now that being said, these uh, uh, steps, who went through them? The companions. So anyone that came after them, they don't go through these steps. Khalas. We know, we're not going to say, no, it's harm, it's, there is some benefit in it. Or we're not going to say, you know what, it's okay to drink, but not, not when you come to the prayer. These rules don't apply to us because they've been abrogated by the final verse that came down, which says, فَجْتَنِبُوا Stay away from it. So, khamr is clear-cut haram. It is not allowed for you to consume. And if you do, you are committing a major sin. And the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith said, لَعَنَ اللَّهُ شَارِبُ الْخَمْرِ May Allah curse 
the one who drinks alcohol. So you are, uh, so the Prophet is actually saying, may Allah curse the one who drinks it because of how many problems it causes. How many families have been destroyed because of the alcohol consumption? How many people have died because of alcohol consumption? How many people have been killed because of alcohol consumption? This is such an ill in our society, a plague in our society. And Rasulullah cursed the one who drinks it, the one who pours it, the one who sells it, the one who makes it. Everybody involved in the process, from the brewery to the person pouring it in this glass and drinking it. All of them are cursed. Don't be involved. Now this is a question for those that sell khamar in their shops. And they are Muslims. They believe in Allah. They come to the masjid, they come to Jum'ah. But then they have shops in which they sell alcohol. And they say, I don't drink it. The Prophet didn't distinguish between the one who drinks it and the one who sells it. Because the one who's selling it is helping in the spread of evil and haram. Is helping in the disobedience of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, and help one another in good and righteousness and do not help one another in sin and in oppression. So those that are selling that which Allah has made haram should fear Allah. You are also immersed in a major sin. You're not allowed to sell it. You're not allowed to facilitate haram. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to get rid of that. Get rid of the alcohol that you're selling. You're not allowed to do it. And this is a major sin as well. Not just the consumption of it, also the selling and buying of it is a major sin. Similarly, you shouldn't work for a company that creates alcohol as well. And you should work in a place that uh, produces halal things, not haram. These are all matters that we all must act upon, ikhwani fillah, and fear Allah uh, in that regard. Uh, similarly, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ mentions that iman is lifted from the person that drinks khamar while he's drinking it. Prophet Sallallahu said uh, uh, that the, uh, the person who is drinking alcohol does not have iman in him while he's doing it. And that iman is lifted from him like, like the person committing zina, like, uh, like any other person is committing a major sin. So this is very serious. Imagine you die in that state. Imagine you die in that state where you were disobeying Allah as a messenger. And in another narration, the Prophet Sallallahu mentioned that those that drink alcohol and consume it and don't repent from it, on the Day of Judgment they will drink from Atinul uh, Khabal and, and the mud known of, of Khabal and when uh, the Prophet was asked what that is, he said this is from Hellfire and this is actually the Araq Jahan, uh, it is the sweat of those who are being punished in Hellfire. So can you imagine that one has to consume that in the hereafter? This is uh, something to be really scared of. Another narration, the Prophet ﷺ said that those that drink, uh, consume alcohol, then they will not drink, or those that drink wine, if you will, in this world will not drink the wine of Jannah. And, he, and Allah mentions in the Quran that there is a certain wine that will be drank for the people of Jannah, and there are those that didn't drink it in this world, because in this world it is harmful and you're not allowed to consume it. So if you want to deprive yourself from this uh, beverage in Jannah, then consume it now. And if you want to be of those that will drink in Jannah from that which Allah has given us and the blessings, then you should stay away from it. These are all words of encouragement for those that are either immersed in this sin, thinking about it, thinking about it, think it's a it's an easy matter. A matter it isn't. It absolutely isn't. And we should fear Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Khwani fillah. 
this is something that is very serious in our communities. And maybe in our, some of our communities, alcohol isn't the problem, but it's drugs. And the same rule applies. People that are using hashish or what is known as marijuana or weed or, or hard drugs, it, it doesn't matter. All of these things that dull your brain and dull your senses and you become high, it is absolutely not allowed in Islam. It is a major sin and it is a major health problem and health risk to you. Get rid of this. These things, ikhwani fillah, are so harmful. So harmful to you for your dunya and so harmful to you for your hereafter. They are so harmful to your relationships. Uh, 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 they are so harmful to your life in general. So fear Allah and leave these things. A Muslim is not the one who is selling drugs or buying drugs. A Muslim should be, it is very sad to see that it is our Muslim youth that are the ones that are immersed in the buying and selling drugs and spreading this filth in our communities. When we are the representatives to the people of Islam, we represent Islam to the people. And can you imagine when the guy that sells drugs in the corner, his name is Muhammad, and uh, he's, and then you have people that are not Muslims looking at this person saying, yeah, that guy is the one doing our community. Is this the kind of image that you want to portray? When we are supposed to be the best and the most outstanding people with the best akhlaq, when we are selling and, and, and profiting out of the, this uh, stuff, if you look even right now uh, in our streets, you will find people that are addicted to this stuff. And addiction does things to people. Wallahi, only those people that know people that have been addicted to these drugs know how bad it gets. Everything they have, they will put into that getting that high. And subhanallah, khwanifillah, once someone consumes a, a drug and they get that feeling, that high, first of all, usually what pushes these people is different things, right? So the younger folks, it's peer pressure. And you shouldn't be pressured into something that you know is going to harm you. And people, yes, younger people have to, are sometimes gullible, but we have to instill in them a sense of pride in their religion and a sense of intellect that they're not going to stoop to that level. They're not going to be pressured into doing something that might ruin their life. But this happens. One of the reasons is that they get pressured into it. So we have to really instill this sense of pride in being a Muslim, practicing Muslim that stays away from these things uh, and also teach them the harms of, of uh, using these drugs in our youth. And as people grow older, there are other reasons why they push toward these things. One of them sometimes is out of habit, other times out of desperation. Sometimes people are running away from pains they have, emotional pains that they are that they don't want to deal with. So they have a sense of escapism and they escape towards these drugs. But these drugs, even if they give you a high, every high has a low. And then your whole life will become chasing that high. And then you basically become someone that can't even function in society. You can't hold a job. You can't be a father or a mother. You can't be a proper son or, or daughter to your mother and father. You can't help anyone. You need help yourself. And this is why you should clean up. And sometimes it's very difficult. I appreciate that. But we need to use the strength of Iman, the strength of faith and our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to pull ourselves back up, right? And it is upon our community centers and our mosques 
and, 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 and people that are surrounding these people that have afflicted with this to help them out of the slump. But also those that are in it themselves, they need to really reconsider the actions that they've taken and why they ended up where they are. And there is always hope. And this is the beat of Islam. There's always hope in Allah's mercy. And Allah will help you. All you have to do is get up and raise your hands and ask Allah to help you. But ikhwanifillah, it is not a joke. These things, they will just ruin people. And a lot of times when kids are immersed in violent gang violence and violent crimes, it's because they are high out of their minds. And these drugs are affecting them. We need to, we need to help these people. And one of the ways that we do this is through education. And we need to teach them from a young age that this is something that they cannot do. And also teach them a sense of fear in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remembering your hereafter and being someone that is uh, an outstanding person, not someone that is in this, in this type of life, and especially when it's glorified. So the life of a drug dealer is glorified. But what they don't understand is that all these cars and all this money that you see, first of all, this is all filth. It's all haram. And these people, they end up in jail. Or they end up dead. Or, and, and worse, when they, die, when they do die, do you think they'll end up in Jannah? So, ikhwani fillah, this is something that we must take seriously. We must combat. So, if someone, and, and, and the interesting part to this is that actually these drugs are more addictive sometimes than, than alcohol. But the rule is the same. And this you, you'll find some people, they'll say to you, where does it say in the Quran that these types of drugs, uh, recreational drugs are haram? It, doesn't, it talks about alcohol. Our religion is far more comprehensive than that. right? First of all, uh, every intoxicant is haram. And interestingly enough, you'll find some uh, hadith that even mention, because some people might say, listen, only when you take this amount do you get intoxicated. But if you take just a little bit amount, you're fine. And the answer to that is that the Prophet himself said, مَا حرام. That which only intoxicates you when you have a lot of it, even a small bit of it is haram. So someone says, yeah, I only had like a tiny glass of, of wine. This is that doesn't even, I'm not even, it does nothing. I can, I'm fine. We say the Prophet prohibited that which intoxicates you if you have it in abundance, even having one sip, one drop of it is haram. And that is the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that must be respected. Um, there's a narration that mentioned that alcohol or khamr is ummul khabaith, the mother of all evils. Because, why, why do you think it's called the mother of all evils? It is called this because it leads to so much sharr and so much haram. There are so many sins that happen in result of it. That abusive husband probably is beating his wife because, he's, because of alcohol. And that person that is, uh, because he's drunk. And that person that is driving uh, that many miles an hour and hitting someone and so many people dying is because he drank. And this person that did this is a type of evil. There are so many evil that can come out of it, ikhwani fillah. So in a nutshell, it is a major sin. The Prophet cursed the one who does it. The, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the person who drinks it, they will not drink from the wine of Jannah. May Allah make us those that enter Jannah. I want to end with a final note, and that is that during the time of the Prophet wasallam, there was a Sahabi that was, a, that was struggling with, with, with consuming alcohol, and 
and he was punished. And by the way, the legal punishment was to be lashed. So if someone would drink openly, he would be lashed. Right? This was the punishment of, of, of drinking openly in Islamic State. So he was being lashed, and, and while, while he was being lashed, one of the companions said, look at this man, how many times is he being brought here? Uh, and then he said, Allah. May Allah curse this person, or may, I, or may Allah ruin you. So he said, look at you, look what you're doing, may Allah ruin you. And the Prophet said, don't say that. Don't help the shaitan with his cause. Don't say that to him. Don't you know this person loves Allah and his messenger? So the point here is that sometimes someone might be immersed in this haram, but it doesn't mean that they hate Islam, or they hate Allah, or, they, or they, it doesn't mean that. And we shouldn't treat them as such. But then we should also not uh, belittle that sin that they are in. It is a major sin they must repent from. Those of you that sell alcohol or drugs, you must repent and get rid of those drugs and alcohol. Those of you that consume it, you must repent and stop consuming it. Those of you that have normalized it and see it as a normal thing, no it is not. So in conclusion, my brothers and sisters, uh, this is one of the most major sins that must be avoided. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help those that are immersed in this sin and to give them a chance to repent. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive my sins and your sins and all of our sins and make us of those that enter Jannah. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.